And we are back on the chosen journey with Steve Carsey, Big Money Grip. It's a very important nickname because the, today's all about the, the narrows as we're talking with the chosen lawyer. <laughs> Chapter 69. And Steve, we have a new Dr. Evil in Major League Baseball. You remember the Austin Powers movies with Dr. Evil? Yeah, one billion dollars, right? Well, he he was at a million dollars, but apparently <laughs> one billion is the new one million. And so this this number, this word is getting thrown around quite a bit because apparently Shohei Otani, many are believing to be the ne- the first, the next $1 billion player. We were talking about how $550 million uh, was a bit of a stretch. Would that happen? Steve, uh, they decided he's worth $500 million as a hitter, $500 million as a pitcher. Let's just do it. Let's give him a billion dollars. Why don't they just... You know what we talked about to make a trade for Hotani? You might as well just hand over the double A team, right? If you're a, if you're a, another franchise, if I was a team owner listening to this bill that's coming for one billion dollars, why can't we just hand him the franchise or you say, you know what, Shohei, here's the paperwork. When you retire, you got ten percent of the team. It's in there for you because a billion bucks is a lot of money, buddy. We're gonna give you sweat equity for this one. Why don't we see more players? and more talk with the unions and just saying with these kind of contracts thrown around, let's just give them team equity at this point. I'm not sure you're allowed to give team equity quite, quite honest with you, but if it's worth, if I love Shohei Otani, I think he's the greatest player in the game right now, best player in the game, but for a billion dollars, I pass. Yeah, I pass. I would rather spend 500 million on 26 guys than one billion on one guy and have a complete team as great as he is. Listen, I think the guy's gonna get between five and six hundred million dollars. I just don't know how long this guy can do what he's doing on both sides of the ball. If you give him a ten year contract, I don't think he's gonna last ten years doing both at the highest level that you could possibly do it. He's gonna be really good but I don't think he's going to be elite at both hitting or pitching one or the other. Yep. I would probably bet on the hitting side more than I would the pitching side, just with all the wear and tear that he's going to accumulate over the next few years, even though he's in his prime. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, he's a unicorn. As I've said before, he's the best player in major league baseball as of right now. And, he deserves to be paid. Um, I just think a team has to be smart in what they're going to do. He is so valuable, Steve, that when you have a fantasy baseball team, you don't get to just draft Otani. You have to draft Otani the hitter and draft Otani the pitcher because he's that valuable in fantasy baseball. And if he's that valuable in fantasy baseball, he's valuable in all of baseball. But I agree with you. A billion dollars is a mind-boggling amount of money. I don't know how much necessarily the jersey sales the tv rights as far as the exposure etc tourism you remember back in the day when you had you know we brought up ichiro before but ichiro comes to your town all of a sudden all the ads in the ballpark are in japanese and all the uh, camera guys are there it was a different scene you know the lore folklore has kind of gone down a little bit but otani has brought it right back up um that being said I went back and looked at 2022. I always do this exercise to myself every year because, you know, 
I feel like it's it's like it's like in cars and watches that there's this scarcity and everybody says I have to have the latest Rolex. I don't care that it's worth ten thousand. I'll pay you thirty thousand dollars. The new Ford Lightning Light, Lightning truck is out. It's a hundred thousand dollars. I'll give you one hundred forty thousand dollars. And then they go and pay whatever it takes to get this. And then they come back a few months later, like, yeah, it's just a car. It's just a watch. Uh, I think I overpaid on this one. And then all of a sudden, when they go to sell it, they're not getting back their money. And mm -hmm. teams and and they do this themselves year after year. And if they don't do it, it's considered collusion. But, you know, every year we say, this is crazy. They can't give out more money than this. And this past season in 2022, in the off season, the monies that were thrown around, I took a look, 12 guys got a hundred million bucks. Of that, six of them got $200 million. I got to ask you now, and this is, a, you know, between us as friends and a few of the viewers, obviously, but look at some of these contracts. How many of these teams would love to do a redo right now? They could say, you know what? I don't have this player and I don't have this contract. How many would be willing right now to walk away from them if they could? And I would there venture that there's enough of them. Certainly, you know, I'm not going to pick on anybody specifically. Now, now looking back, you know, Aaron judge, $360 million, nine years was always having history, a little bit of injuries this year. None any different. Uh, Machado had a good year. Devers contract. Trey Turner has felt it from the Philadelphia fan, $300 million. Carlos Correa at 200 million, and that took three suitors to get over to him. DeGrom, 185 million. When's and this was for five years. When's he gonna be pitching next? 2025, right? I don't know. Look at Rondon. Rondon is another one, which by the way, which scared the bejeebers out of me. Danby Swanson now, Cubs fans. I don't know if they're that thrilled about it. Edwin Diaz at 102 million, not his fault, but it happens. Wilson Contreras got 87 million dollars for five years. He stopped catching early on and then went back to catching. Justin Verlander got $86 million. And the list, Jose Abreu, $58 million. Steve Scherzer. Iverson. Scherzer. Rendon. It just goes on and on. Mitch Hanniger got $43 million. Rizzo got 40. The Zach Eflin at 40 million in three years was a great contract. I gotta say. Yeah, absolutely. They got 100 percent 40 million at three years, not at one year, and he's not 42 years old. Josh Bell got $33 million for two years. Mm -hmm. Steve, why do teams do this to themselves where they paint themselves in the corner? They got to pay at whatever cost. Do they are they are they paying for what they think they're gonna get, or are they paying based on history? Because some of these players did not have a track history, they did not project. But they just feel like I gotta pay. I need me a, a free agent. Like, why do teams do this themselves year after year after year? One, it's called market value for what a starter is worth. Um, you know what a hitter is worth. OPS plus, uh, WAR. You know they accumulate these numbers, and the agents use them with the team and say, "This is what the player is worth." If you want my guy. Here's what you're going to have to pay. And that's kind of what it becomes. Um, so listen, it becomes roster construction. It becomes a need. Um, it becomes who's left on the market. It becomes, you know, supply and demand. If four teams, say five teams need a shortstop, and there's only three shortstops on the market, two teams are going to get left out. 
So somebody's going to overpay for two of those three guys probably. Um, and that's just the kind of the way it is. It's, it's, in my opinion, it's being in the right place at the right time in the right position. Uh, if you're the best starting pitcher on the market in a soft market, the teams are going to come after you pretty hard and they might overpay. And that's just the way business works, right? I mean, if you want a chocolate bar and there's only one chocolate bar and five people want that chocolate bar and they keep bidding on it, you're going to bid on it until you feel like it's not worth it anymore. And you might overpay for that chocolate bar. So it's the same thing with players. It's supply and demand. It's who's, who's available in what position that you need in that particular year and that particular free agent class. And then a little bit has to do with the agent. You have Scott Boris, you're going to put together some kind of pretty good clip and book on why you're worth that much with the numbers that the teams use to value what you're exactly worth. And he, he's one of the greatest uh, agents that, that do that. And he gets his guys top dollar. Alec Manoa was a guy that, you know, came up time and time again because, uh, he had quite a season last year for the Jays. Uh, they apparently discussed a little bit of an extension. Said, I'm not that comfortable with it. I'm going to bet on myself. Uh, ended up back at A-ball, now back up with the team. It's really, really tough. You know, I, that's the one thing I struggle with, and you have talked about it many times, and I know you've been in from that perspective as far as betting on yourself. If I'm a player, I'm taking the sure money. I don't know if, you know, I can get injured at any moment. I don't know factors are going to happen in life. I get that if I wait, I can make maybe five times the money, 10 times the money, or I could end up with nothing. You know, this is the highest form of gambling that you can get. You know, you look at some of these contracts here. If these guys had not bet on themselves and had signed earlier, you know, and 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 players have done it, they said, wait a minute. Oh my God, I signed for a hundred million dollars. I could have gotten 300 million. Oh my God, I'm firing my agent right now. I'm so upset. But guess what? You could have easily not gotten the hundred million, you know. And these are the kind of discussions. This is really good problems to have in life, certainly. But mm -hmm. it's one that players at a young age have to talk to their agents, need to decide very, very early on their game plan. Do you want to lock it in, or you want to let this thing ride? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down to the individual, right? I mean, and and again, the conversations you have with your agent on what you're worth, what you're willing to take. Are you comfortable in the place that you're playing right now for that extension? Uh, you know, how how the team goes about the extension. Um, do they embarrass you? Do they leak it to the media? I mean, there's so many different factors on it. Like, they tried to get judged, right? They tried to get judged for 200 and something million. And he's like, nah, I bet on myself. Goes out, hits however many home runs he hits. And ends up getting 360, 360 for nine. 40 million a year instead of the 29 or 30 that they wanted to give him. You know, listen, $29, $30 million a year, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. But at the end of the day, a lot of us, and I don't, I'm not saying this is judge at all by any means, but a lot of it's an ego thing. I want to be the highest paid player. And you'll see it. When guys become free agents and they're the top player at that top position, they will find the top AAV. And if the top AAV is $43 million, they'll sign for $43.1 million just to be the number one guy on that list. Uh, and that's sometimes that's what drives them. But again, I think pitchers are a whole different story than hitters. Pitchers can get hurt so much easier. Um, you know, you start having an arm issue, 
um, then you're boxed in and, and there's not much you can do. A hitter gets hurt or misses some time, it, it doesn't really affect him because he's out there for 150 to 160 games anyways. And if you miss a little bit of time, you know who, who that hitter is as long as you're able to stay healthy. Pitcher is a different story. If they offer you four years and 50 million and you're betting on yourself for another year and a half, like you might get hurt and that four, four for 50 might turn to four for 20 but one for six, you know? <laughs> so again, it's, uh, it's all individualized. It's all what a player thinks he's worth and what he's willing to take and be comfortable. Look at uh, Jose Ramirez, super underpaid for the type of production that he is, is putting out. Um, but he's comfortable in Cleveland. He loves it in Cleveland. He loves playing there. And you know what? I don't even know what he signed for, a hundred and something million that's plenty of money for him to live for the rest of his life. And he's comfortable with that. And he's comfortable in his own skin and accepting that for the years that they gave him. And he worked for both clubs. It gave them the Indians a little bit more flexibility. I call them the Indians, but the guardians a little bit more flexibility for a little bit more flexibility. I know. Sorry. Uh, And you have a happy player. Like that's what you want. You don't want unhappy players in your clubhouse bickering on, uh, uh, I'm only making 35 million. I should be making 38 million because of what I'm doing. Like at the end of the day, you're okay. There's two points I'm going to raise to you as we're ending this one. Cause uh, I always laugh about this. Number one, it's always the player that wanted the highest AV that then comes back to the team and says, but I need you to surround me with talent. You know, with, with in, in Toronto, they talk about the Maple Leafs are all their uh, cap is stuck in three players. Basically. So you got to go scrummaging for bargains to fill up the rest of the roster. Brett Favre experienced it in Green Bay. Well, you got rid of my receiver and now, or my tight end. Now what? So you got to pick and choose. You know, it's, you see those teams where, you know. You mean Aaron Rodgers. uh, Sorry, I said Favre. I meant Aaron Rodgers. Yes. I (laughs) I always mix them up because of the Green Bay thing. But yes, I meant, see, there we go. Indians, Rodgers. There we go. And, And where's Rodgers now? He's with the Jets. But you see a team like like the Boston Bruins, and they won cups together. They were always contending because every player took a little less, so they could entice more talent, and they could have talent surrounded them. So that's where you know a team sits down with a player and says, "Okay, you could take up the whole cap space, but guess what? I got nobody for you to play with." But mm-hmm. people want their cake and eat it too. There's an the expression: yeah. you can't. You can either have that cake or you can eat it. But you eat it, the cake is gone. So we got to make choices in life. And personally. Yeah. Uh, I would like to, I'd like to contend personally, and I would like to be in a situation. So if I have to forego some money to be able to get some talent around me, give that to me in a second. So who sticks out to me in that aspect of what exactly you're talking about is Tom Brady. Like he always took less money to have people around him to play wide receivers, you know, and he made them better. He didn't have, Household names, but he had a Gronkowski to keep him there. You know, he had his uh, his receivers uh, that he had with Wes Welker and uh, Amendola and, and all of these guys who made a little bit of money themselves. But if Tom Brady takes up four, five, six, seven, eight million more on his contract, he ain't having some of these other players and they might not win. So I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, the old saying, having your cake and eating it too, is is this it's it's really tough to live by if you're willing to t- it depends how bad you want to win i mean that's that's at the end of the day 
if you want to win that bad, you'll you'll take three three million less a year to hold up that trophy at the end of the year, or at least have the opportunity to do that. Or do I want that extra three million? I can go buy my own trophy and hold it up in my house by myself every year. I mean, Steve Cohen had great intentions and the Mets fans appreciate it, but just because you give everybody $30 million contracts doesn't mean that it's going to be in the championship. And that's where I'm going to just challenge owners that are listening now. When you come time to 2023 free agency, look back at 2022 and how many teams would like to re- do a redo. Just remember, uh, you bought, you bought, you break it, you bought it. And that's the way it is. So been just seeing those contracts, but it always begin and start with Shohei Otani and that magical $1 billion number and whether it's going to happen or not. I will, I will make a small wager and say it will not get to a billion dollars. I will agree with you on that, but I will say though, it is going to break 600 million for sure. And 600 million is like the middle point for me of what, and how the contract will be structured. Okay. Let's let let's see and let's see where he's gonna be. And uh I'm still not convinced that the Angels aren't gonna keep him. So I know I, unless you actually eat with the guy and train with him and hear what he has to say, who knows what people's intent people don't know what people's intentions are. We're all trying to live in the guy's mind, like every free agent, and we everybody is so different, right, on their considerations of why they sign. Let's see what this this free agency period brings and where Shohei decides. And uh, still got a lot of ways to go, and he may still not even be an angel by the end of the season. So we'll stay tuned on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Steve Carsey, we're in the uh, Guardian's hat there and uh, helping spread baseball cheer. Thank you very much for your insights. As always, you know, it was really fun going through this topic and reviewing it. I, I actually was going to go through a list of like 50 of them. And I said, I can't do this because... There's just so much remorse when I'm hearing these names. <laughs> so I, I just kept it to the minimal, but uh, maybe one year we will do that and maybe even look at the top free agent blunders. And if you look at some of those money spent, you're thinking, what the heck were they thinking? So maybe someday we'll do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but uh, as uh, as you said, the point is, is the owners are making money and they're going to give it out to the best players. Um, the middle class is uh, the the... The players that at this point are kind of getting squeezed a little bit. You know, you have the young rookies who are making the minimum, and then you have the superstar talented players who are getting the upper echelon. And then you have a few middle guys, uh, but they're getting squeezed, and those guys are getting squeezed out for, you know, the upper end and the lower end players. So if we can bring back some of the veteran middle guys that contracts are between four and eight million. I think you'll see a more balanced budget, so to speak, uh, uh, with some of these teams. It's pretty funny saying it out loud. Four to eight million dollars is reasonable, but that's where sports economics are, folks. One day we'll even look at the different leagues, and you actually see the highest-paid players, and you'll understand why. And the one league I'm going to tell you that gets the shaft by far is the NHL. If you look at how much they play and what they put into it, those guys are bargoons by far. Well, once you break the union, uh, it, it becomes really tough, uh, you know, and and I, mean, I believe the NHL broke the union and, you know, they they gained the leverage where Major League Baseball has, has never done that. Well, Donald Fear is back on a beach somewhere and uh, probably not to be heard from again, but stay tuned on that one. Steve Carsey, my friend, 
We'll see you back next week on The Chosen Journey and more uh, talk as we're approaching the trade deadline season and we'll be able to talk about to see who moved around and who didn't. should be interesting. Absolutely. Look forward to uh, having that conversation. Have a good one, everyone. Thank you. See ya.